Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to part two. So this is going to be, I'm posting two episodes today, because this was all supposed to come out on Tuesday. But, uh, you know, some reason the file didn't didn't go all the way. So the full episode was on Patreon. But uh, this, for some reason, it cut off, Like, but there's an extra hour. So this is part two with Michael Jordan. Um, so... It's, we pretty much are just finishing up with the Flow Hive, and then Michael goes into some other stuff as well. Um, so with that being said, we're going to do a quick intro here. So I'm going to try to... Let's see if I can do less than five minutes, guys. So um, so number one, I uh, figured out Audible. They finally emailed me. So if there's a link on the website now... So it's a little bit different than before when I used to just give you guys free books and say, hey, download this book, and it would just take you right to the link. Um but basically, if you set up an Audible account through uh, through my link, um, you help support the show. But also, too, uh, I'm a big fan of Audible. So I, I, I listen to a ton of books on Audible. Um, I can't even, I couldn't even tell you how many books I listen to, guys. Um, so if you guys click on that link, I'm going to try to get some, uh, I'm going to have my buddy Nathan Frazier help me with the art and everything else like that to make it look a little bit better. So that should be that should be a good time. Um, and then, so basically, you guys just click on that link and it, it will be in the show notes as well um, with the rest of the stuff. And you get uh, you get a thirty day trial. So you if you guys don't want to keep it, you know you can always cancel it. The Audible's pretty cool. They let you keep your book and you can. Uh, sign up for for more service and turn it off as much as you want. Um, so yeah, you guys get a free audiobook with a free 30 day trial. Um, there's a lot of different books you guys can get. I mean, so out of all the authors I've had on the show before, of course you guys know Charles Hugh Smith. So there's all of his books. He's got four books on there. Um, he actually if. I actually was just recently in this Facebook thread today and last night about minimum income. So he wrote a really, his, his book, Radically Beneficial Worlds, a really good book about why that doesn't work and why you should look for, you know, a community-based economy, um, which is like what I'm all about, as you guys know. Um, or you could do, you know, Dan Flores is uh, Coyote America, um, Mark Essig's book, The Lesser Beasts. There's a lot of different options. I mean, I, if you guys are, are curious what book to get or what I'd recommend to you, you can always email me and let you know. I love both Jonathan Haidt's books that are on there. Um, there's a lot of good books. They, they keep expanding their selection. I know when I was I did that podcast with Nick Hazelton and I, I gave him like some sales books and I said, yeah, these you have to read. They're not there's not an audible version. And sure enough, there was an audio version for both the books I recommended. So I, I'm pretty, I, I'm a big fan of Audible. It's, it's really easy. I've been a member since before it was purchased by Amazon. So back in 2008 is when I became a member. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, guys. Click on the link in the show notes, or you can just go to audibletrial.com forward slash sample hour, and that will get you, that will get you there as well. So, and you can get your free book and everything fun like that. Um, so moving forward, um, Nature's Image Farm. Whatever they have left, use code word sample. You save, you save ten ten uh, percent. You get free shipping. Um, I know Thanksgiving turkeys are coming up soon. So if you're in the Ohio area and you want to 
Uh, they'll have a spot for you to put down deposits for the turkey. I know I'm getting another Thanksgiving turkey. It, it was pretty, I don't know, just having an opportunity to buy a turkey from a local farmer that you respect and support. And if, and if you're not local, try to do the same thing. Like I'm lucky and fortunate to have Greg and the rest of the Ohio GSD crew here. Um, I'm going to go way over five minutes, guys. So that goal, that, that went to shit quickly. Um, I'm way lucky to have all those guys here. Uh, so I can, you know, I can get local, you know, grass fed beef from Sean Brown. I can get pig from Sean Brown, Greg, uh, the Fogels, hand hewn farm. I mean, there's a lot of good options for, for local farmers that if you want to support what they're doing or even local farmsteaders, um, I know, uh, it's I, th- I think that's what it's all about and especially if, if they have an opportunity for you to go and butcher your own food I think that's even better um, I, I couldn't uh, I, I think I, I can't tell you guys how much I get out of that and it's weird a lot of people think it's like there's something wrong with me for wanting to do it but there's nothing wrong with me for wanting to do it, it but at the same time like it's it's not something that like I look forward to the community aspect of it, but when you take an animal's life, I mean that's that's a heavy thing to do, and when you go to a grocery store and buy a Thanksgiving turkey, um, you're not you're not really putting you don't have the same skin in the game, and you don't you don't have that same relationship with your food. So, all right, I'm gonna get off my uh, my soapbox there, guys. So moving on. So if you still want to take advantage of the uh, of of Greg. Not Greg. What is wrong with you? Grant Schultz's course on pawpaws. It's still available for free. So if you click on the the cool little GIF or GIF of the pawpaw plant going from seed to the fruit um, in the show notes, you can actually take the pawpaw course for free still. Um, it's for Versalian TV. And what else? Um, oh, yeah. So Rebooted Body. So. I recently I started listening to Kevin's podcast, Rebooted Body. If you guys are trying to get into health and fitness, um, and if you're trying to improve your health, I highly recommend his podcast. I mean, Kevin, Kevin and I, we think very similar. We're we're pretty good friends. Um, and Kevin, I recently just listened to an episode that was pretty old. It was about uh basically just the the bullshit and nutritional science and um, it was a pretty eye-opening episode. There was a there was an un, there was an intentional f- bad study done. It's basically just to say that uh, chocolate promotes weight loss, and it was it, it's a it's a great episode. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, uh, he's got a lot of a lot of other good episodes. Uh, I know Tom 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 Dahmer's. That's what he he sounds like in his new small scale life podcast. Check his podcast out too. Tom Dahmer's. Uh, I know him and his wife listen to the podcast. They're big fans. I've had Kevin on. I'm going to have him on again soon. Um, so click on that link if you want more information. I mean, definitely, I mean, check out his podcast, though. I mean, if make sure it's something that, you know, you're interested in. Like, I, I'm, I mean, these people are all my friends. That's why I do affiliates, guys. I don't, you know, we're not doing meme on these here. So uh, everything, that, everything that I have as an affiliate is something I use. So. Uh, and then, so next, if you guys want to start a podcast, I'm a big fan of podcast blast off. Um, it, I, I talk about it all the time. If you guys want to start a podcast, uh, I would do free consulting. Uh, if you want to use podcast blast off and sign up to the affiliate, uh, then last and not least for the affiliates, you know, urban profitable urban farming, huge fan of the course. Um, 
you know, I, I'm a member of the course and like just even in the local community now, like, I don't know, this season of farming has been a lot, a lot of fun. Like I'm going to release the failing for forward episode with me and Joel later today as well. Uh, I might actually just push that out till tomorrow. Um, you know, let's do that. I'll push it out. So that'll be coming out tomorrow. But, you know, I just doing this as long as I have, like, even just seeing, like, and I think, and Joel would attest to this too, where we were before we got the course and where we were after the course. Um, you know, the thing with, I don't know. I mean, it, there's so much information in there that's good. Like I said, I mean, I, you're going to probably go through the course a couple times. Uh, to get all that information if that's what you want to do i mean again if you don't if you don't want to be a market gardener then don't don't buy the course so um and then yeah so so that's it so if you want to save 100 bucks on the course you can click on the first link in the show notes and then the second link in the show notes uh that's the payment plan and then finally if you guys just want to support the show because you appreciate everything I'm, i i do and you appreciate my show and my work and the time i put into it um, I do have Patreon now, and with Patreon, you get episodes before um, they are released. So as I'm editing podcasts and, and publishing and going through everything I have to be put out, I'm just going to put up like basically once I have the, the actual conversation done between me and the guests, I'm just putting it out there. So sometimes it might have an intro, other times it might not, but you're going to get it first. Um, and all that is to, to qualify for that is, is five bucks a month. But if you, you know, if you just want to contribute $1 a month or $3 a month, you know, I appreciate that as well. Or if you don't want to contribute at all, that is fine as well. Uh, if you're just looking to maybe send me some money one time to say, hey, Drew, I, th- I appreciate all your time and effort and uh, what you do, which is great. I appreciate that. Um, you, can, you can send me money through PayPal as well. There's a link in the show notes for that. And then finally, if you guys just want to support the show, um, you can just write me an email and tell me how much you appreciate it as well. Um, I like money. Not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. But I like just people listening more. So I, I think, you know, if if you just want to, to let me know how much you appreciate it, uh, that means the world to me. And then if, if you're up to it, you can even leave a review on iTunes um, and subscribe as well. So I think right now I got 16 reviews. Uh, it'd be cool if I could get to a hundred. Um, I'd way rather have you, I mean, that's first things first. You do that before anything else. So, um, and then if you don't listen to it on iTunes, uh, just share it with your friends or share it on Facebook. Like don't, don't be afraid to share me. I, I like anybody that you think would like the show, share it with them and, and, uh, and then tell them to do the same. So anyways, guys, with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, yeah, guys, it's a great week, man. Feeling good, man. I, I've never, I'm feeling really good, guys. And, I, and you guys who listen and contact me, like you guys are a huge reason why I feel good. So, all right. With that being said, we're at 11 minutes and 15 seconds. So way over 10 minutes or five minutes, but I appreciate you guys listening and enjoy the show.
So we had uh, we had slight my uh, internet decided my web browser decided to stop working, so I just changed Wi-Fi's. Um, so what I'm looking at, what Michael was talking about earlier is, and I got a picture of it, but he's got this awesome micro hive, and uh, I'm I'm just blown away by it. But I think what's cool about that hive too is it really kind of, I mean, it looks like it's designed for the small cell bees, right? Yeah, it's it's well, it's made for any type of bee, but it's made for it's it's it has it's integrated three systems. One is micro scale management, so you're able to produce queens faster. You're able to produce micro colonies because the hive itself is small, so the the colony will build faster. Each one of these layers only has five frames in it, and you can see the frames are only like only like I don't know eight inches deep by six inches wide. I mean they're not they're not big, so you got five of these little frames. So there's ten frames in here. They draw all the comb out naturally, so they're going to start making themselves smaller automatically because they're going to make their own comb. Yeah. So that you know, if you got small bees, this will fill up fast. You can populate fast. It's it's so it's, it's made like Langstroth boxes. It's using weir technology, right? Weir weir beekeeping, yeah. and it's micromanagement skill by using uh, like uh, India does a lot of micro bees. And so, so it's built. It's built to uh, to popul popular populate faster on a on a on a more productive scale. But you said it's, it's you said it's 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 more even though it's built like a Langstroth, it's 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 really top bar beekeeping though inside there. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's it's what we call uh, so in beekeeping of Langstroth beekeeping, which is box beekeeping with frames, and you have top bar beekeeping, which is a long box that has just bars on it that they build comb off of and we have what we call hybrid beekeeping which is weir weir is taking natural formation of comb like a top bar and putting that top bar in a box and stacking the boxes up so instead of having 30 long frames i usually have 10 frame 10 top bars and i stack them that's awesome right? just like like perone a Perone hive is a weir box that is 20 times larger. Its box is like three foot wide and two foot long. Yeah. And it puts 20 frames in it. And it's, oh, about three foot deep. So when they build their comb, they build it really deep. And what you do then is you lift the box up in the air and you slide another box on it and they continue building that comb down. So some of your comb in that Perone hive can be eight foot long. Wow. One comb off a frame is eight foot long. You just keep raising the main box and slipping other boxes underneath it. So do you, just so obviously down. you would need somebody else to help you do that? Well, you build, you build what they call lift systems. It's like a, a cherry picker for an engine. Oh, right? you okay. Lift it up, you slide another box underneath it. And the Perone system's made so if the mites fall to the bottom of the box, since you've got a whole distance, they can't jump up into the cone. That's all right. Awesome. So you've got these big systems, right? And then you can go in and when it's time to harvest, you lift that box up and you start pulling all the boxes out. And you have this huge section of cone. And you can just cut out sections of cone, lower the box down, and have them start all over again. And that's the that's a Perone system. That's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, man, there's so many different hives out there, it's just incredible. Yeah. And then, then we were talking about highs. So let's start all the way back over, right? We're talking about honey production. We got through the spring, right? We introduced bees. 
or we unwintered our bees. Everybody's making it. We're feeding them. They're ready to go. And it's honey flow season. We were talking about price between $40 for a, a, a honey super to $400 for a flow hive. Now, flow hive is really cool. Uh, like I said, it was made by J.B. Guerrera uh, out of Spain in the 1940s. And it's a really cool little system. You just put in the, the bar, you turn it, it breaks the hive. Uh, the octagonal combs, they split. Yeah. Make the honey run down through the split and out the bottom. And you get honey. You don't have to buy a, an extractor now. But right? I, you don't, I, have, to, you don't I, have to move I, I, the bee boxes and go through them to take them to the extractor. Yeah, I I just think that the thing is is that um, uh, how does how do so with a flow hive how do how do you manage your bees then? I mean, do they swarm a lot so, more because you don't you can't build on it? Well, you you stack underneath it. Oh, okay. You can okay. Right. You can put you can put you know you can put that honey box above more honey supers if you want. Most people put uh you know like your backyard beekeeper most of them get a what they call a garden hive. And it's usually one brood box and a honey box. And if you look at the flow hive videos, that's what they have. They have a brood box and then they have a honey box. Okay. So you, you now, so can you stack like is it like can you use like a Langstroth box with it or is it like a specific yeah. okay? It's, it's it's made to fit on a you can buy an eight frame flow hive or a ten frame flow hive. Right. And what that is is that's the width of the box. If okay. you go eight frames, you're losing about two and a or you're losing four inches because you can only put eight frames in it or you add four inches and you can put two more frames in. Didn't you say you have a flow hive or you fixed the flow hive for uh Oh, no, we, we have one, you know, I teach at the university of Wyoming's bee college and you know, the real reason I get to teach there is because of, of what I know and what I can bring. And, you know, I bring weir hives, top bar hives, eco hives, sun hives. You know, I, I like to try to teach a gamut because I'm not, you, you, I'm my beekeeper. You're your beekeeper. Yeah. I don't care. You, you manage your own goddamn bees. I'm not coming to your farm unless you pay me to come out and get the shit stung out of me. Right. And I'm more than willing to help you. And I shouldn't say pay me. Right. Cause I, I go help a lot of people for free because I enjoy what I do. And, but we have a flow hive box for the university of Wyoming that we teach from because somebody's going to want to use it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, my my teaching skill for beekeeping is a little different than going to Ohio State or UC Davis in California. They're teaching entomology and stuff, and I'm teaching you uh, hive management. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah they're, they're going to teach you some, you know, hive biology, queen bee, drone bee, worker bee. This is the birth rate of the queens. This is how much longer it takes to make drones. This is how much, you know, you can learn the that stuff, but when it comes down to working a beehive, uh, it's like wearing how many bee suits do you have? They're not going to tell you that in the, in, at the bee college. They don't even tell you how to wash them. And I'm telling you, you should wash your beehive in cold water after use, man, because you don't want to smell like bee sting. Yeah. Would you? So can you put a bee suit in a washing machine? Like just uh, yeah, yeah, just cold water. Cold no, water. I use no detergent, cold water. I mean, I for for fat for fat guys like us, we got to use cold water anyways for our clothes don't shrink. Shit, it doesn't matter what I get. <laughs> I don't know if I keep growing or if they just make worse products, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it, it, when you go to learn beekeeping, it's like I talked to Shane and we were, you know, I was talking to Shane about, you know, I trained my bees on scent and sound. And he says, I've never heard that. 
you know, he says, guy, he says, I've got a degree from Ohio State, dude. I've, I've got, I've went through everything to become a master beekeeper. And I've never heard that. So I showed him some things, you know, like, you're not just using smoke. I'm using incense because I'm going to train the bees and I'm working with them. I want them to know when I, when I use frankincense and myrrh, that it's coming out strong, that the, the scent's strong, that here's this guy's coming and he's going to go through this beehive. I've smelt this before. What's all said and done, he throws some powdered honey on us. It's pretty badass. Yeah. When I go out to steal honey from them, I'm using uh, harsh, ravenous uh, smoke. It's grains. I'm using like spent grains from a brewery that I've dried out. I'm rolling up denim jeans. It's a harsh smoke. It's really bad. And the bee suit that I go out in, it's a brown bee suit, and it smells like dollar store shitty cologne. So when I go out there, there's this whole different smell concept, and it distracts them. They're like, holy shit, what is this? And this guy's going through a hive. It's almost like a bear attack, right? They're getting sprayed with sugar water. They have a whole different smell going on. There's a brown suit and it smells different. God, this is awful. And I steal their honey. And then when I come out nine to 11 days later, I'm in my white suit or I'm in my little cover, my Tennessee tuxedo coveralls, you know, and I'm out there with my bandana on and my suit on and I'm working. I'm like, well, this guy looks familiar. And oh, there's that frankincense smell. Right. There's the, ah, this is a little more familiar, right? Oh, he's, he's moving a lot slower. He's always oh, he's dusting with powdered sugar. This is the guy that we remember. So do you, remember you intentionally things working, right? I remember this yeah. guy. Now. So you intentionally are more aggressive in general. You let, so when you go to harvest honey, you are, you are intentionally aggressive towards your bees. Or uh, I am, I am because I'm in, I'm out and I'm gone. You know, a, a guy takes and he, so we're talking about the flow hive. You go out there, you turn the handle, you, you, you turn out and you get honey. On a regular hive system, you're going to go out there and you got to pull the frames out of the box or you take a whole honey box with you. So you go out there, you're going to steal that whole honey box. Now you're going to remember if you're not using what they call fume board, fume board is a really bad smelling board that you put on top of your honey boxes and it suppresses the bees down naturally. You go out the next day, all the bees will all be out of the honey box and you take that honey box. Right, but that's a two-day adventure. Most people go out, and what they do is they pull a frame out, brush all the bees off, put it in another honey box, put a lid on it. Grab another frame, brush the bees off, open up the box, put the frame in it, put it in. Me, I'm using a leaf blower. And I take the honey box and I flip it up so the bottom of the box is facing me because comb is built a certain way. Comb's built at an angle so when you put the honey in it, it sits in it like this. They're not flat. Yeah. They're at an angle like this. So I tilt that so that angle at the top's facing away from me. And I blow the leaf blower through those frames and it blows all the bees out. I just take the whole box and I load it. And I load it. So when I go out to stew honey, I lift up the lid, I smoke them with that bad smoke. I flip that box and I go, and I load up those boxes. Right. And then I dust them with powdered sugar, put the covers back on them, and I leave. Right. So it's quick and aggressive. Right. I'm in and I'm out because I don't want to, I, you know, I don't want to mess with them all day because I'm stealing from them, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's, let's face the facts. I'm stealing from their work. Yeah. I, I, I am the tax man. <laughs> I'm stealing from your labor. Yeah. Right. And so I try to get in and out of there as fast as I can because I don't want, I don't want to be messing around with them because, you know, you're going to be messing with them. They're going to be coming out more and more. You know, you start stealing from them, and then they're panic, and then you get what they call robbing, and 
all kinds of stuff. So if I just blow the bees out, all the bees are confused. They're all flying out. They're trying to get back to the hive. By the time they all get back, the lid's on and they're back in. The hive's been now suppressed. They lost all that room. They're bundling up. They're trying to see what their honey supply looks like now. Right. So, I, yeah, I'm a little more aggressive on, on that end. But the reason I like the honey box is not only is it because it's, it's $40 to produce 30 pounds of honey. Yeah. Right. I mean, but I get many more products from it. Yeah. I get wax and wax cappings from me on cap. When you use the flow hive, you get no wax. You're not you know, doing any capping. So I understand you don't have to buy a hot knife. I understand you don't have to buy an extractor. You don't have to buy roll tins for buckets to store it all. And you're just putting right in the mason jar and they're good to go. Right? I'm totally with you. I see how easy it is, but I'm getting an extra product. Yeah. I'm getting a wax product too, which I can sell at $15 a pound. So not only am I getting to sell my honey at $8 a pound, I'm selling wax at $15 a pound. So I get two products from spinning. And not only am I spinning my honey, you know, I, I, it's like, you know, you guys have uh, your hive building party. Yeah. I have, I have a couple guys come over, right? We drink some mead. One guy sits there and he uncaps all the honey and hands it to another guy. And the other guy puts it in a spinner. The other guy's rotating buckets and putting the stun frames back into boxes to take out back out to the field to feed back to the bees. Cause the bees are cleaning all those frames out when we're done. Yeah. Right. Giving them back some of their, you know, drippy stuff from the stuff. So, you know, you get three or four guys, you know, you, you know, if you have an old hand crank, you know, if you're fat and old like me, you know, you might need four or five guys. But also too, but, I, I think it's the, uh, you know, I, I think it's the importance is just like what you said. So let's say, so let's say it's me. Let's say it is the Ohio GSD guys, right? Like we're all first time beekeepers. So Greg does have a, a, have a crank. Like he traded it from Shane when he, when he got Shane's old hives. Um, why wouldn't I want to invite Greg over and a couple other people or let's, let's all come let's together all come and do it. Because I, I think that, I think that's, I think it's just important. I think the, the aspect of community, us, us doing that type of stuff together is huge. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And so, you know, you get a couple guys together, you're drinking some meat, you're spinning some honey, right. And you get all this wax capping and stuff. And we've got buckets of honey now. You know, and you call it a day. So then you have another party. And we're going to render and clean wax now. So not only am I getting a second product, I'm getting another another aspect of where I get to sit down and drink with my friends. And you get a teacher for how, how to do something. Yeah, you know, we're going to render wax now. So we're going to, you know, do a deal. And we're going to boil the wax and clean it. And I'm going to use whatever residual crap that's in it. I'm going to blend that with some of my bee feeds. So I'm going to refeed back some of their sugar and some of their proteins and stuff back as I'm cleaning this wax. And now I've got blocks of wax that I can sell. Then I have another party, right? And we're going to go ahead and turn that wax now into lip balm. Everybody's going to get some lip balm, right? You're going to help me make some lip balm. We'll make some with spearmint. We'll make some with eucalyptus oil. We'll put some with, with some smelly, juicy fruit, bubble gum, cotton candy in it so it smells good. You know, we'll even put some food dye in it. We'll make some purple-looking lip balm. We'll, we'll make some lip balms, right? And then Next time you come by, we'll dip candles. Next time you come by, we're going to make our own furniture polish. Right? So that's an extra product, man, that everybody's missing on Flow Hot. And what did it cost them? It cost them 700 times the amount to miss a product. 
Mr. Product, Miss Miss Time of Community. Yeah, you know, because what are you doing? No, don't get me wrong, it's cool, right? And I have seen Flow Hive made on an industrial level, where you have thirty to fifty beehives with Flow Hives on them on a trailer. And all the backs of them have copper tubing hooked to them. So when you turn the nozzle, they drain into a big 500-gallon tote. Right? So I've seen it on a huge map. Like I said, I, I get around. I've seen industrial beekeeping. And I've seen this used on an industrial level. Right? And so, so here's, here's what I've seen. And it's not why I don't like the flow hive. I don't like it because you don't get – I think the bees lose communication by not being to have wax. I think by splitting them. And I've seen where you split those – those uh, combs on a flow hive and you go to crank them back and they don't crank back. You have to take it all apart and clean it and then put it back together because they're not sealing. The honey just keeps running out of them because they don't seal back. So there are some problems with any time with mechanics or anything, you're going to have problems, right? The more you add, the more you got to work with. So it's not that I don't like the flow. I just think that the bees are missing communication. And I'm missing a product. Now, also on the flow hive, right? You have to make sure that the honey's capped. So you're gonna have to go in that flow hive anyway to make sure the honey's capped. Because if it's if it's not capped honey, it still has water in it, you're gonna get fermentation in your honey and all your honey's bad now. Can't sell it because it's got too much water content. So I mean there's there's some management with it that goes with it. But when you're when you're talking about uh spinning honey and I, I like the old school way, I like going out and harvesting my boxes, I like bringing all that back in, I like sitting down and spinning them. I, I, I enjoy that as a beekeeper. And I think that's one of the things that's uh, when you raise sheep to shear your own sheep is different than having a guy come and shear all your sheep. Or when you, you raise, raise a pig. pig. Yeah. When you raise, pig. Yeah. When you raise your own pig and then you go to butcher it, and you, you see the outcome from it. Uh, I forget his name. Is it Dustin? He sat there. We did your interview the one time and he goes, you know, after going to Costco and I see, 20,000 ribs in a, in a book, you know, I really lost the concept of Jesus Christ, man, how many pigs are they slaughtering to make all these ribs? Yeah. I think right? you, you lose that concept. How much, how many bees have really died to make this honey, right? You never really know. I just tap a thing and I, and I pour it out of a box. I think we lose some of that, that cut, the, the beekeeper bee continuity, the aspect of why you became a beekeeper, why you wanted to be helpful, why, why you do those things. I think we lose that sometimes. And I think that's one reason why I like enjoy beekeeping. I teach kids if from six to 16, they're free, right? If I have a beekeeping course and your kids show up, I'm more than willing. And I like working with them more because that's my future beekeeper. It's not the guy that shows up that's 40, right? Because in, in 40 years, he's going to be 80 and he ain't going to lift no hundred pound box, dude. But if I get that 16 year old going, man, he's got 60 years to 80 years of beekeeping where he can teach those skills to other people and come up with a viable product. So I think those are, those are different, right? I, 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 that's one reason why I like to teach is like, so I, I like learning as much as I, man, I learn just as much from other beekeepers as they probably learned from me. You get a room full of beekeepers. You ask one question, you get 40 different answers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause everybody, you know, you're, you're beekeeper with your beehive. The object is to learn the managerial skills that work for you. Like I said, if you make queens, which way works best for you? Because you're going to have to learn, man. And some people, I just let them swarm. I've learned swarm management. I put up swarm traps. I just let it do it themselves. 
right? And I've learned that after they swarm, I take the old bees out of the hive, right? Because the, they have a new queen and I put them in a nook. And I put the old bees back in because that's where she came from. And that way I know that that queen is still in that hive. And then I can really see when she's done laying. I have one hive, man, that I've never changed a queen in an eight years. She's still laying. Awesome. Right? Awesome. So, I mean, but that, that's because I've learned some swarm, swarm management skills. And other guys, like, I split. I do do little walkaway splits. I pull brood out. I put them on top. I got a queen excluder between them. I let them make queens. When those queens are full, I pull those nooks off, and I, I'm, I just walk away. It's really simple. Some guys are like, I'm a serious grafter. I graft 500 queens a year. I sell all of them. I requeen my own, and I'm pulling out brood and all kinds. You know, I sell queens. I'm a, I'm a breeder. Some guys don't even want honey flow. Some people just make packages of bees at the beginning of the year. Cutting, like I said, if you have one beehive, and I can pull three nooks out of it, that means I still got my one beehive, but I got three packages to sell now. Like I said, I sell my nooks for anywhere from $150 to $200 a pop. So, you know, you're looking at $500 that I just made. For, and I still got my original BI. Right? So, I, so it's going to take all year for it to build up again. But next year, I don't care about honey flowing. Some of them. Some of them are just made to populate so I can sell bees. Right? And those are, those are your managed skills, right? A, a backyard beekeeper has five beehives. A hobby beekeeper has uh, 25 hives max. Uh, or no. A backyard beekeeper has five to 20 hives. And it depends on your laws. Wyoming, you can only have five maximum as a backyard beekeeper or a hobby beekeeper. And I think there's something missing in there, but a backyard keeper has five to 10. A hobby beekeeper should have 25 to 250 because he's trying to make money with his hobby now. Right? It's, 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 it's not a job, full-time job for him. Right? But he's, you know, at 25 hives, man, you know, if you're producing 30 pounds of honey, now you're looking at, you know, two drums. You're looking at two, you know, 20, uh, a 1,200 pounds of honey. A drum's 600 pounds. That's a lot of honey. Right, so that's a lot of honey. That's two 55-gallon drums full of honey from 25 hives, not to mention whatever he splits or whatever he makes. So that's an income. You know, so that's your hobby beekeeper. Has he got a lot invested in it? Yeah, a little bit, right? He's trying to make some of his money. You got a commercial beekeeper. He manages anywhere from 500 to, to 5,000 hives. He's doing it as a business commercially. It's pollination contracts. He's got honey contracts. You know, he's making candies. He's selling it to best, you know, Whole Foods. Right? He's got contracts to make. Then you have your industrial beekeeper. That guy keeps anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 hives. He don't care if they die or not. He's selling packages of bees and he's doing pollination runs. That's all basically he does. Because if I got 10,000 hives at hundred dollars a pop, man, I'm a millionaire in, in three months. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in three months I make a million bucks. Who cares? Right. So, I mean, it's, it's just one of those, depending on your skill, your level and what you're building to, to house them, to keep them. Like I said, I could keep 50 beehives in my backyard, but now I've got problems with my kids. So I downside it's, you know, it's what, what you do with them. Some of them produce honey. Some of them have pollen traps on them. So they don't produce a lot of bees because I'm stealing the bee bread to produce pollen. Some of them are only wax producers. As soon as they build nice, clean wax, I'm cutting it out of the frame, putting another row of wax, and making them build it again. And I got good, clean wax, white, nice, fresh wax, right, that they made. So some produce wax, some produce pollen, some produce bees, some produce honey. Some are swarms that I caught, some that I have, a, you know, I have different apiaries for different things. I catch a swarm, it goes into a quarantine area. 
Because I don't know if it has mites. I don't know if they've got dysentery. I don't know if they have nosema. Right? I haven't crushed any of them to see if they have tracheal mites. The only way to see tracheal mites is a magnifying glass. Right? Or, I mean, a, a, a microscope. You got to crush the bees. You got to see down the trachea. Right? You're not going to just look at a bee. It's got tracheal mite. You ain't going to see it. It's inside their body. You should be doing a trach mite check every three years, no matter what, to see if that's infesting or getting in your bees. I mean, so every three years you're doing some other things, you know. Uh, some people are using oleic acid, a natural method to control mites. Uh, I'm using rhubarb. I mean, it's all it's, there's a lot of stuff that goes with beekeeping. I think when you go to you're going to your Ohio classes and learning, and like I said, I got this book here. This is a uh, from the beekeeping design course. This is a uh, you can see that it says out, out of winter, winter and starting, new. starting new, right? So if you're starting new, it teaches you about that. And if you're coming out of winter, it teaches that. And that's a 40 hour course. And that's the first module of the BDC course. And like I said, there's four modules or four sessions that are 40 hours. One session is the beginning BDC course. You've only gotten one module out of that BDC course. Even that's just, if I can have the bees, right? So there's a lot just getting started with beekeeping that, how depth you want to go. It's like uh, uh, I raise quail. Am I raising quail like Brad Davies does or uh, like other, you know, I, I know some big quail raising farms, right? Like I said, Brad Davies does hundreds of quail in his garage. This is one of his main food productions. Now I, man, I got like 60 birds producing eggs and sometimes I sell some of those birds and stuff, you know, they're just kind of fun. Am, am I, am I, uh, Justin, uh, What's his name? He he did the chicken. Justin, Justin Rose. Rose. Yeah. Am I a big commercial chicken guy rotating and having many pins of chicken? Nah, man, I got four hens. They lay chickens. Do I got bees? Shit, I got bees, dude. And I know a lot about bees because bees is my thing. Chickens aren't my thing. Rabbits aren't my thing. Quail aren't my thing. Right? Uh, I'm not doing big. Uh, you know, I got three raised beds. I got four hoop houses. Right. I mean, I'm on a small, I'm in, I'm 12 blocks from the state capital. There's only so much I can do. Right. So I, you know, if I moved out in the country, I lose a little bit of the aspect of what I've been fighting for as a urban gorilla. Right. So that's one reason why I stay in the city limits is I, I fight for people's rights to, to have minimal amount of agriculture at their home. The minarchist, as you will, that, yeah, I don't care if that guy's got burdock at his place. If it gets in my yard, I just mow it down anyway. Screw it. I don't care. Right. I, I, I fight for those things for people because I think that sometimes you have to have the asshole that's trying to prove a point. Is the point something dramatic? Nah, I'm not doing anything dramatic. But the point I'm trying to prove is that if I want to have eggs in my house, that's not fucking with anybody else. I should have eggs. Right. Don't look in my backyard. I'm not looking in yours. Yeah. But on the other aspect, I don't have 42 junk cars in my front yard leaking oil everywhere. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. a junkyard downtown. That would look like shit. But yeah, my weeds are tall and, you know, I got chickens running around the front yard and I got a big dog that shit size of a Volkswagen that you got to clean up. And, you know, I got kids running around, you know, I feed my block kids. I try to teach them how to raise and do all this stuff. And like I said, as soon as the underground, you know, we just filed our third time for a permit for the underground metery. It looks like it's going to go through and next year we should have a metery in our backyard. So out of the garage, we'll be selling booze. You know, it's just what you want to get out of it is what you put in. And that has to go with anything with life. But right? that's why I always say, you know, buy your honey from a beekeeper you respect. 
right? Because he's, you know, you're you're learning this, right? You're gonna go out and get the shit stung on you. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna happen, dude. It may, you know, I know beekeepers. I've been beekeeping for five years, never got stung. It's gonna happen, dude. You're gonna get that one, and I get tagged. Tag's different than get stung. I get tagged every once in a while on my hands because my hands are so fucking big, I can't get gloves. You know, they were they were made to knock out teeth. I wasn't a proctologist. So, you know, they're big, so it's hard to get gloves. So I get tagged, but I never have one, I mean, where they really get in. They pull their guts out, and you're like, oh, crap. And the next day, you know, your finger's like touching the other fingers, and you're trying to space them apart. You know, that, you know, it's hard. You know, when you get stung, you're going to know it. It's going to be good. You're not going to enjoy it. You're like, holy shit, man. That was a, for a little bitty bastard. That thing carried a wallop. You know, that's why bees are so deadly, right? Because if you get stung with one, they leave a marker. Then the next thing you know, more bees come and more bees come. And then when you get aggressive bees like Africanized bees, it's not like one or two bees coming. It's 100. And if they tag you, then the smell's even more. And they're like, shit, send 400. Then they tag you up some more. And they're like, well, shit, send 1,000. We got to get this thing. It's not moving. The smell... We're still tagging it. They still tag it. They still tag it until you're dead, right? And that's just how that works. The, you know, 500 bee stings will make you deadly sick. A thousand could possibly kill you. I think the most anybody's ever had was 2,700 bee stings, and the guy has the world records in the Guinness Book for his body being covered in bees from China. And I think he got stung almost almost 3,000 times. Right? He was really sick. I get stung over 60. I get diarrhea really bad. Right? It really it really messes me that way. Uh, but I usually, you know, that doesn't, other than that, it really doesn't bother me, but you know, there's beekeeping is a skill set that, you know, I want to get bees and I said, I have bee people take bees for five years and either they takes off and they love it or the bees don't take off. And it was like a loss for them. They get rid of their equipment or it was like, shit, I got stung the one time, dude, and it was enough for me or, well, it was actually some kind of work. I thought we could just put the bees in the backyard and, you know, it'd be cool if, didn't really realize that they were swarming every year and now they're in my neighbor's house and you know i you know i got i got some down at the church they have them in their attic now and shit you know i didn't really learn that management skill or right oh shit man i didn't realize that i was you know propagating skunks they're eating all my bees they breed my backyard i didn't know you know and i got baby skunks running all over you know there's some things about it that are a little different so that's why i designed the beekeeping for it like so i took mine my beekeeping course and when i took it i was like i told you guys when you guys were building your own beehives that's badass right because you're learning all the way down to do it when i learned right we made smokers even you you took coffee cans you took uh the wood off the plywood you put uh saran wrap around it to show how bellows work and then you made them with tarp so you made your own bellows you made your own coffee can you put a lid on it you made your own smoker. So you learned about airflow, learned how to clean them, learned about how to keep the spacing for airflow between that and your fuel. Right. So those things, you know, we made our own hive tools out of rebar that you pounded and heated up. Right. So when I learned, I mean, I went, they taught you everything about how to build the beehive out of a refrigerator, a 55 gallon, whatever you can build it out of to building all your equipment to, I mean, I said, I, I think we took, it was almost, one whole month where it was uh, anatomy of the bee, right? Everything from their eyes to the caustic of their stomach to the breeding, breathing on the side. I mean, you, you learned anatomy of the bee. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of courses that sit down and say, okay, let's, we're going to spend this month. We're going to go through about what the eyes look like, 
how many sets of eyes they have and what they do, right? Uh, what the leg, what the front legs proportion are, why this one has a hook, why this one has uh, like Velcro to put baskets on, why, you know, why they have six legs, why the thorax is different between a wasp and a bumblebee, a bumblebee and a honeybee, right? I mean, to, to go through that, there's a lot of information to, to do that. Uh, there's not, you know, when I sit down, like I said, the, the, I mean, I'm giving this book actually to Greg. He's going to bring it back to you guys. And it has information that like feeds. And then I include like other people's work, right? Because when you talk about pest management, what is it? Well, I could sit down and write down wax, beetle and stuff, but somebody's already done it. I went ahead and I found, I thought the best book for it. And I included that in here. So this has like four or five different books in it. One's the Colorado Extension, which I think is one of the best for predator control. Talks about, it goes into deep detail about the different types of mites, how to control them, what you're looking for. Hive beetle, wax beetle, uh, wax larva, moth, how to control them. I think it's one of the better books. Did I write it? No. It's one of the better books, I think, for pest management. That, so when I made my book, I included, uh, when I talk about making my book, it's actually you write your own book. I just include some stuff in it that you take this back and when it says your beekeeping laws, well, you're supposed to be making your own book and you're supposed to have your laws written down and then a copy of your permit for registration that you complied with those laws. When it talks about bee sting, you should not only write down all the stuff about what bee sting is, how to remove it and stuff, you should go get an allergy test and you should go get stung by a bee. Then you write down, well, this is my reactions. This is what I had. And then in bee sting, you know, what works good for me out of all the home remedies, I used a cold spoon and I took Benadryl or I took 500 milligrams of vitamin C and I rubbed honey on it, right? You need to, that's what the bee, you know, you kind of design your own book because when I say bee stand and I show you 14 different bee stands, you put that in your book of which one you're using. So you know how to maintenance, how to upkeep it, if it needs painted or not, or I mean, those are, you know, you, you, you're going to build a skill set and a, three-part thing your beekeeping book a schedule of your year and what you're looking from your bees am i looking for honey flow am i looking for pollination am i looking for wax am i looking to supply more bees and and, and then you accommodate that all in your season so i mean that's that's kind of how i've worked out the book stuff so i'll give this to greg he's coming out to calhoun colorado to Danielle freeman's family farm right where we help to make better beekeepers Right, buy your honey from a beekeeper you respect. Right, it takes work. This is work. Right, Absolutely. buy it from a small industry. Right, because anybody can go to Costco and buy honey, or they might be buying. You know, so you're trying to get local honey, and you go down. And here's a good example. There, there's a company in Colorado, and they're called. Uh, I buy honey from them. Park City Honey Company, and they've got avocado honey, buckwheat honey, clover honey, banana honey. Uh, I mean, they got all kinds. They're not producing any honey themselves, but they're going all over and they're buying all these other people's honey from Florida, California, Michigan. Oh, you know, I mean, wherever they wherever they find avocado honey, they're going to buy, right? And some of them are taking them to a extension agency to do an analysis. That way they can see what the pollen counts are. What if it's, you know, if it's been pasteurized or if it's good, clean, raw honey. Some companies do that. Some say, shit, man, I got five, I got five 55 gallon drums of orange blossom honey here. Package it up, put our label on it, and put it on the shelf. 
right? And then and you're buying that honey. Is it from out of overseas? No, but it's not local. And you don't know if it's been heat treated or not. You don't know. These guys are buying it and distributing it all over. And then you might run into a guy like we have a guy here, he's Cheyenne Honey, and he's getting out of the business, but he's produced good honey. He doesn't produce a lot of it, but he produces enough to where he had a good business here in Cheyenne. And or you can do what I'm doing, and I do what I call co-oping, right? I produce so much honey. And then I mentored this guy and I mentored this guy and I'm along this beekeeping organization. And these guys are spinning their honey and they're like, so man, I got lots of honey. I said, what's like lots of honey? I got two extra five gallon buckets full that I'll never use. So I'll buy it from them. That's local honey, right? And I'll just put wildflower honey and I'll blend all theirs together and I'll sell a wildflower honey or I'll use it for my mead making, right? And that way I don't have to buy extra honey to make my meads. Cause I only produce so much honey, man. I got a honey contract with a granola company. And if I make the granola contract, shit, I don't really care about how much more honey I make. I made my contract, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole deal. The object is if I don't make the contract, then I pay penalties. So I gotta make sure I make my contract with my beehives. Now, anything that's over an extra with that, if I know this guy's down, you know, outside of town and he's producing the same honey I am from clover fields here in Wyoming, what's the difference between, my clover field north of town and his clover field south of town. Not too much, a little bit, a little different location, maybe different water, maybe more sunlight, maybe less sunlight. Who knows, right? It's not gonna be too much, but I can blend that together and I can use, and I can put Wyoming clover honey. It's from Wyoming, it's local honey. It's all raw, right? So you're gonna get two different types of clover honey. So you're gonna get more benefit of the pollens, right? So, you know, you can do stuff like that. So I co-op and I help littler beekeepers get their honey out. You know, I buy some of their wax and stuff. It, it helps them keep going to be beekeepers. It beefs up my product a little bit more. And everybody makes out, but I'm not trucking in wax from Australia, right? There's no sense of doing that. I'm not bringing in uh, honey from India. That's all local and, and stuff like that. So when you look at honey, there's, you've got to kind of, that's why I stay by from cottage industry. Some of these guys, he might only produce a 60 pound pail, right? You might buy that 60. I just get, he just, I got my honey producer. I go to this guy. He produces me 60 pounds. I pay $300 for 60 pounds. You know, it's a little expensive, right? It's about, you know, five fifty to six bucks a pound, but I know it's good raw honey. And the guy just makes it just for me. So I'm cool. Right. So buy one from a beekeeper respect, buy cottage industry and help your fellow man. I mean, that's the one big thing. Help your fucking fellow man, dude. Because if you're not helping him, you're hurting him. You're, uh, you're uh, helping Paul helping Weed Paul with his Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Oh shit, you saw that? Huh? Yeah. Uh, if you take, if you get on Paul Wheaton's Kickstarter site and go on, I've included uh, our beekeeping uh, beginning course with that, so you get that for free, right? So you get on his Kickstarter, you get it. You'll get our beekeeping uh, first one, our bees for me with Paul Wheaton. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna use that. I'm hoping that people will take that and kind of see how to get started, and then they'll jump in and maybe take more some more classes from us. I mean, to be honest, it was really nice of Paul to really like you know like the the setup. You know that you got to know your laws. You should see if you can get stung. You should learn some definitions about what you're doing with beekeeping, right? And you should learn some history, right? He was kind of he was kind of keen about that because we learned we learned from nature. Right. Where's your history come from is what people have been doing the whole time to get where we are now. So it's was, it was pretty cool working with him and Josiah. 
right? The policy to pick that up, so that's cool, right? So there's the beekeeping design course. You can get on Permit Ethos uh, Television and catch the how to do, build your apiary, what it takes to build an apiary, right? Hive stands, location, distance from each other, right? So you can get on that, and that's another course. Uh, like I said you can take, you know, I'm always at Jack's every year. I'm going to come to Hobtoberfest. I teach at Calhan, Colorado. I teach at the University of Wyoming's Beekeeping College. I teach at high schools and stuff. Uh, I'm more than welcome to, to come. I have a lot of people say, oh, you should come and teach here, right? I get together with them, and then it's like, you know what? It really costs for me to come. So I'm not cheap, right? You know that. And I almost drank you out of house and home. Now, honestly, I, I, got off, I got off well because it was just hanging out. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? When you tell somebody, it's like I'm going to Danielle's, and the one guy says, he says, what do you charge for a beekeeping course? And I said, it's about $150 for a person to come. And they're like, holy crap. I went down to my local beekeepers organization. It was 40 bucks. I said, what kind of book did you get? He says, book. I said, well, you're, gonna, you're paying. I got a book, and the book's got four different books in it. Each book's worth 20 bucks. There's $80 worth of reference material right here in this book. So there's $80 right here for you that talks about the whole beginning beekeeping for a 40-hour course. So I'm giving you $40 worth of the, I feed you. We feed you breakfast. We feed you lunch. We feed you dinner, right? We break open meat. So you're going to drink meat, right, for lunch. So you can kind of get loosened up before you and get happy before you get the shit stung out you when you go to the bee field, right? I, I teach an edge method of beekeeping, which is odd. Edges, educate, demonstrate, eval, uh, go for it, and evaluate. So I take this whole course and we sit down and we go through this whole book at the very beginning of the course. I mean, do we go word for word and you read it? No, but I'm going to show you how to use this book for your beekeeping. It takes about three to four hours. And then I take out a beehive like this and I have a couple teaching hives. So now we'll go through like a top bar hive. We'll go through a rear hive. We'll go through a Langstroth hive. I'll show you the whole system of, of using this book now on that beehive. No bees. We'll just go through it. So I, we, we, we went ahead and educated you and then we demonstrated it. And now we're going out to the bee field and I'm going to apply that knowledge that I just showed you hands on. I'll apply it with you. So now you saw me do it. And then I walk away and I say, now it's your turn. Here's this beehive. What did we do? What do we, what do we do? So now we evaluate you because you're going for it. You go for it. I'm going to show you what you're going to see what you're doing wrong. We're going to explain it. You're going to have four or five people working with you that you're going to see how it works. You're going to get in there in a bee suit. You're going to see how it feels. Then we come back. We have some mead. We sit down by a campfire. And we talk about the evaluation. Like, what did you learn today? What, what, what questions do you have now that you saw all this in practice? We educated you. We demonstrated it. We went for it. What all did you kind of, we kind of evaluate the course. So that way it helps me do better courses, but also helps you make you feel confident. When you went through and we talked about this, I got it. He, he totally showed me. I demonstrated. I got in there. I got to do it. You know, I, I just had a question like, well, if I don't have powdered uh, sugar and he was sprinkling, is there something else I should be using? And he told me, no. He says the powdered sugar is a reward and might control. There's not much you can do other than that. That's what that's used for. So it was good to sit down and evaluate. To really, I thought maybe if I sprayed it with sugar water, do the same thing. And he's telling me, no. They don't clean each other like they do that with the powdered sugar. And so, that, you know, that teaching skill is different. So you're getting fed, you're spending a whole day. It's not like you're going for two to four hours. You know, you're talking eight to 10 hours, whole day of working with bees. And I, I like to come to people's apiaries. And that way, 
we can kind of see how they're doing it. And he can talk about, this is why we do it this way. And then you can evaluate and you have another beekeeper says, well, this is how we do it too, but we've changed this. Well, now you got two people on the same page doing two different concepts. So I think that type of teaching does a lot different for people. Do you pay for it? Yeah, you're going to pay for it. But the whole deal is, is when you're done, I can almost guarantee that you're going to be more confident leaving that one day than you are reading a book for months or watching YouTube videos over and over again or going, you know, I show up to a beekeeping course and I go every day and I like working with Paul. He's, he's a good guy, but have you guys ever worked in an apiary together? And I think that's a big difference. You're paying for an experience and, you know, I do mead keeping, uh, mead making courses, right? And, and, and we sell raffle tickets and we give away horns and we give away mead. The whole deal is, is some of this is also like going to a dinner theater. I don't know what you pay for a dinner theater, 70 bucks, right? But when you leave the dinner theater, do they give you a book about the whole, you might get a little pamphlet that says this is what the program was. I'm going to give you a book, talks about the program and everything to do it yourself, to make that whole play. And we put on a show, you know, I bring my dad with me or my wife and, you know, it's like we're going to light a smoker. We do things at school districts. So you're going to light a smoker and you look at your wife and you go, what are you doing? She goes, I'm lighting the smoker. You can't do that in the school. You can't smoke in the school. She goes, well, what do we do? Well, here's an alternative method, right? So it's a show. We, we, we educate you with, with humor and a good show and good drink and good food. And you get people together and my classes are small. We only try to put a maximum of 20 to 22 people in a class. That way, everybody gets to ask the question. Everybody gets a book. Everybody gets hands-on experience. Everybody leaves with the satisfaction that, man, this was a this course is what I paid for. I paid to come and learn beekeeping. I didn't come to hear some guy lecture about these are the foods and this is the this is why I don't use sugar water. Shit, I don't care what you use. I'm going to show you sugar water. I'm going to show you honey. I'm going to show you infused teas. I'm going to show you all different kinds of things. But you're the beekeeper. You pick out something and you use it. Because I'm not coming to take care of your bees. You are. And if sugar water works good for you and your bees are keeping alive and they're healthy and they're doing good, I'm not going to frown on you. That's why I don't frown on the flow hive. If that's what you want to use, you want to spend $500 <laughs> to produce 30 pounds of honey, man. Hey, that's, that's all up to you. But that's what's working for you. Right? Is it working for me? Only if I buy that from a garage sale after a guy bought it. I was like, holy shit, I'm not keeping bees anymore. Because the flow hive didn't tell me I still have to inspect those bees. They said, you just put the bees in the box and tap it. I was getting honey. Should I didn't know those bees were going to be everywhere and stinging the shit out? You know, I'll get one for a hundred bucks later on when they're at somebody's garage sale. Do I want one? I've got one I can play with at the college. Right? That's that community thing. Right? Do I, you know, there's a couple other people. Do I want to go play with one? I'll go play with one. Do I think they're bad? Do I think they're great? No. Nah. Well, you know, I said, I can go spend $400 on <laughs> I can go out and I can go take a pallet apart and I can take PVC pipe and put foundation on a PVC pipe, put it in that cardboard box, cardboard box. I got out of the dumper, dumpster at the bar. The PVC, PVC pipe, pipe came from a, a, a sprinkler system down the street. It was all free. I found feral bees. What the bees, what this beekeeping system cost me, my time. The box came out of a dumpster. The PVC came out of the dumpster. The bees came from a tree. I put them in there. They build off the PVC down for foundation. They're in a cardboard box. When I'm all done, I just cut all everything up, 
put another, I just go get another cardboard box and put it in there if it wears out. Right. I learned that from a guy named Jack States who proved a point to the, uh, the United States Agricultural Foundation. And they gave him $40,000 to prove a point that what is the most money making agricultural business in the world? And he said, beekeeping. They said, are you sure? Cattle people make a lot of money, dude. They're multimillionaires. He says, for what I put in, I get a hundred times out. And they said, okay, prove it. And he says, okay. So he went and got a cardboard box. He got some PVC pipe. He went ahead and uh, found bees in a tree, took the bees out of the tree with the wax, used the wax for foundation on the PVC pipe. It was all free. It was just his time. He produced over 600 pounds of honey in one year. He bought an old truck, put the beehive in the back of the truck, and he would drive that truck to locations for honey flow. It made 600 pounds of honey with one beehive to prove a point. He drove it from Nebraska to Arizona, following the biggest nectar flows, producing honey, spending honey all the time, different types of honey all the time. And they said, what did this cost? And he says, well, he says, with gas for the truck and the purchase of the truck, everything else was free. Plus my time. My time don't count because you said time's part of farming and it don't count. And he made 100% more profit than anybody else in agriculture because all the shit was free. Right? He didn't have to go out and build pens. He didn't have to build barns. He didn't have to go cut hay and buy hay. He just knew the bees. The bees' honey was paying for his fuel. Right? I mean, so he was proving a point that the largest agricultural business has been the oldest one next to goats. And it's easier to run bees than it was goats. So, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Right on, Drew. Hey, I, I know we took a long time. Oh, I love it. Let me on, and, and and I mean, I show a broad spectrum of stuff, but it's the beginning of the year. You guys get your bee on, get your sights set up, get your hives set on those hive stands. Get out there, get some swarm traps going. Talk to some other beekeepers. Get your bees and get out there and get going. Go get stung, man. Go see what it's gonna take. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right, Thanks guys. again for tuning in and looking forward to bringing another episode soon.